he goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Yeah, listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. We played so hard tonight. We played well, and uh, yeah, this is this is a dream come true. This is unbelievable. You have three goals in the NHL, but how does this one compare? Uh, this uh, this has got to be the best feeling uh, ever. I mean, to score that goal, I, every kid dreams of that, and we played so hard today, and I couldn't be prouder of everyone on the team. That was the hero in last night's gold medal game, Dylan Gunther. Um, on top of the world, I would assume, is how he's feeling uh, last night and how he's feeling again today, waking up with a gold medal right next to him on his uh, nightstand. I'm sure it is a fantastic feeling to have. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star in here with me. Uh, second hour of Lease Lunch continues. We'll be joined by uh, a man who was in the building uh, the entire tournament, uh, Gordon Miller. He'll join us in a couple of minutes here to talk about that game. But, you know, Dylan Gunther, for me, and, and when I look at this team, I, I find it very fascinating how it was Carter Bedard who brought them pretty much to the semifinals, said, get on my back, boys. I'll go out here, score 20, you know, 20 points within like a three, four-game span. And then once he kind of got shut down against the Americans and then against uh, Czechia last night, it was the rest of the team who kind of rallied and stepped up, and Dylan Gunther was one of those guys to, to do it in a big way. Yeah, he was, and it was you're right. It was more of a team effort uh, than it has been in the Connor Bedard World Juniors for Canada last night, for sure. And and that was great to see Shane Wright stepped up in a big way, uh, scoring that incredible backhand goal, which is one of the prettiest ones <laughs> you'll ever see at any level. Forget the junior level. That yeah. was just gorgeous uh, no matter where you put it. Uh, and it's interesting. Look, Dylan Gunther going to be going back to play for the Arizona Coyotes. And Shane Wright, assigned to the Kingston Frontenacs, widely expected to be traded from the Frontenacs to an OHL contender and take a run at a Memorial Cup this year uh, after, obviously, the Seattle Kraken, who get the 5-1 win in Toronto last night, uh, don't feel like they need him right now. And he'd be better served to dominate at the junior level uh, in the coming months. Yeah, and Connor Bedard will be headed out to the Regina Pats. And actually, I have no idea where the Pats are in terms of WHL standings to be complete. They're right in the middle. They got 500 team. Okay, so they yeah. might make a run. Like, that'd be curious. Could you imagine what a package would look like to trade for Connor Bedard if they decide to, you know, I mean, this isn't a guy wow. who's going to return to the team next year, but if they have an opportunity this season, and I mean, they're selling out the barn every single night, they're selling out road games. I mean, it's it may be financially or fiscally responsible to to keep him on your team, also if you're the Regina Pats. But he was named yeah. tournament MVP, um, and honestly, the the records that he was shattering along the way were astonishing: twenty three points, setting the new Canadian record for most points in a single tournament, nine goals, fourteen assists, um, and the fourteen assists also setting a, a Canadian record for most in a tournament and 16 goals in his world junior career which is also a canadian record surpassing uh jordan eberly um at the world junior championships and the most points by a player aged 18 or younger at the world junior championships so it was the bedard show for sure but uh, overall a, a fantastic victory for uh, for team canada in just a couple of moments we'll be joined by by gord miller 
who was out there um, in Halifax. And, and I'd imagine that the party last night, like we saw it in the building, mm-hmm. and it was incredible. Like the atmosphere throughout the entire uh, World Junior Tournament was outstanding. Hats off to the Halifax crowd in the city for putting on such a great show. But I would imagine that the scene last night in downtown Halifax would have been a gong show. Oh, yeah. That's a party town, man. I've been there a few times. Um, it is a, it's a fun place. I mean, what, his last call, 3.30 local? Yeah, uh, right? Like They, it, they go yeah. till like, 4 o'clock out yeah, there in Nova that's Scotia. that's nothing for those folks out there. They... They enjoy uh, the nightlife, and it's a nightlife type of town, man. So I'm sure it would have been a lot of fun to be out there. And and that's, to me, I, I think that was the underlying lesson of this World Juniors, Al's brother. We've had it in Toronto. We've had, you know, not too many years ago where it was in Toronto. And it's I'm sure it's a big moneymaker for Hockey Canada, and I'm sure that, that that's great and all. But, man, the spirit of this thing is in junior hockey cities, right? Yes. The, the spirit of this thing is to be in a smaller barn, not so small that it, you know, you can't get people in there. But whatever this, you know, the Halifax Arena is a ten thousand something seat arena. That is what this tournament should be. That's yeah. what this tournament should be confined to, in my opinion. And it just gets lost in a big city. It wasn't like, it, you know, it wasn't like it didn't happen when it was in Toronto. But it's not the event it should be when it's in Toronto, because Torontonians have so many other options, and and it just becomes another in a line of expense account options for the for the executive set that gets tickets to these things and i just don't think that's the way this tournament is supposed to be designed yeah it's got charm when it's in you know a couple of these cities whether it was in red deer last year or it was you know in moncton halifax no matter where it was you know it it was electric it really truly was uh all right we're joined by gordon miller who was in the building last night in halifax called the golden goal the gold medal game uh, on tsn tsm world juniors a play-by-play voice what's going on Gord? did you make it back home safe and sound just landed in the car heading to uh head home with a bag load of dirty coals <laughs> well and my bag broke my luggage finally broke i've had this i've had this suitcase for like 12 years oh and it finally this morning I tipped it up and it the, the broke. So it was a good soldier for a long time. Been to a lot of places. Well, I guess it's time for a new one. Too bad uh, you should ask for it for Christmas. Now you got to go and get one yourself. Yeah. But uh, like last night, set the scene for me in the building. I mean, when that golden goal happens, Dylan Gunther scores. That place erupted. And then also, what was it like? on the streets of Halifax. I assume they're probably still partying to this point in the day. Well, it was it was really something. I mean, uh, we're upstairs in a in a broadcast booth that actually sways a little bit when the crowd goes off. And when when Canada scored the overtime goal, when Bedard scored the overtime goal against Slovakia, the crowd mm. was so loud, loud there was dust coming off the rafters. It was like it was snowing. <laughs> um, so it was just insane in there. And yeah, you could hear the horns honking through the walls of the building. Uh, last night, it was really something. They really embraced it. You know, they took the thing on on short notice, right? I mean, the Russians were stripped of it in the spring. They took it on in May, and you'd never know. They just they just stuck the landing. It was an incredible Halifax and Moncton, and really all over New Brunswick and Nova Scotia was really unbelievable. So we were just talking before you came on, Gord, about how you know a, a rink the size of that Halifax rink in a town that that is a junior hockey town and doesn't have the NHL. That is the spirit of this tournament, and that's ultimately where we feel it should be. Do you, is that realistic for us to say, let's just keep it 
in junior towns from now on instead of going to Toronto or or, mm-hmm. or uh, Montreal or bigger cities that obviously could make Hockey Canada a bigger revenue chunk? I, I don't agree with that. I, I think, you know, Toronto in 2015 was outstanding. Okay. The crowds in Toronto in 2015 were excellent. One of the best World Juniors I've been to was in Ottawa in 2009. Um, Alberta in 2012 was enormous. Vancouver in 2019, even though Canada lost out in the quarterfinals, was really good. So, no, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I can see how it gets swollen up in Toronto a little bit, but everything gets swollen up in Toronto. Uh, yeah. But in 20, 2015, it was excellent. I mean, the crowd, that gold medal game crowd in Toronto was exceptional in, in 2015. So I, I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, I... I like it when it goes to places like this. And I don't want them. I don't want to see them taken out of the rotation. Canada's got it again in 2025 and 27, um, and then again in 30. So I, I mean, I yeah, I spread out a little bit, but it, there's nothing wrong with going to NHL markets. I mean, Winnipeg had a great World Junior in uh, in the old building in '99. I mean, they're certainly entitled to have one. So I, I wouldn't rule NHL markets out of it. Uh, in conversation with Gordon Miller, TSN World Junior play-by-play voice. Uh, he was in the building last night and uh, in the building for all of Canada's games, and it was the Bedard show for most of the tournament. Um, I mean, 17 years old, nine goals, uh, 23 points uh, for a kid who's draft eligible, uh, broke many, many records. I mean, was that the most dominant and maybe best performance by a Canadian at, at any double IHF event in its program? history and I mean for you did this tournament move Bedard into that generational category well I think I'd be careful talking about you know all time by anyone because there's been a lot of great performances at various levels over the years I think the thing about the world junior is is that you're comparing him with Lindros and you know Eberly for Canada and Forsberg and others they were all 19 when they put up those numbers mm-hmm. he, you know he's 17 years old yeah. so you're getting into Yarmir Yager was a 17-year-old. Robert Reichel, um, who, who had some of the greatest performances as 17-year-olds in that tournament. Um, I, I'd be careful to anoint anyone as a generational player just yet. He's really good. He's going to be—I think he's going to be a star in the NHL. Um, but you know, he's 17. Let's just give him some time here. And uh, but I mean, he's electrifying. Like the, that shot is world class. That's that's Joe Sackick's release. Maybe maybe a titch better with the stick technology now. Mm-hmm. And and uh, he's got a he's got vision in his game. He's got a bit of edge in it. Um, he's really he's built really solidly. So you know the five nine doesn't bug you. Um, he's got whoever gets for the first overall pick is going to be very happy with it. It's funny that everyone's talking about you know fall hard for Bedard or whatever you want to call it, but. <laughs> You know, even if you finish last, you only have a twenty-five percent chance of getting the first pick. I know, but it seems so, so worth it just for that chance for some of these teams. Well, it's, it's funny too because Adam Fantilli's a really good player, and he'll probably go second. Yeah, and and he, he was overshadowed by Bedard. But if you take Bedard out of the equation, Fantilli's World Junior as a seventeen-year-old was really strong. Mm-hmm. He played really well. I mean, seventeen-year-olds rarely, rarely play a big role at the World Junior Championship, and and so. You know, it's really interesting to see him in that circumstance. Fantilli as well plays so well because it's it's not common. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the draft in general. Like, you've got Shala, who had a great tournament. He's going to be there. Leo Carlson had a good tournament. He's going to be there as well. Fantilli, Bedard. So even if you miss out on Bedard, there's some pretty good consolation well, Gallibor, prizes. 
Dalibor Dvorsky from Slovakia looks like yeah. a real good center. He he cleaned out the Canadian centers in that quarterfinal game. Like he mm-hmm. he cleaned out Stanko, who was the top faceoff man of the tournament. Right, uh, Gauthier. Like he was he was terrific, and he's seventeen. I was just joking about it too. Like last night on the broadcast ahead of the game, they showed uh, a feature a feature on Connor Bedard and how when he broke his wrist, he couldn't play hockey. Uh, but he said, "No, I'm just not going to play with my right hand," and it allowed him to develop that shot. And I jokingly like said this. I wonder how many kids are going to take a hammer to their wrist just so that they could become like Bedard and try and you know use their left and become so strong. Um, the kid's just an unbelievable talent, and the story uh, of how he became what he became was also uh, incredible. But for, for me, what I found outstanding about the final, at, you know, the game last night was it wasn't the Bedard show. Like you came into the tournament, I guess, um, calling this team the most explosive team Canada that they have ever been, and they really played as a team the last couple of games, and it was a team effort to win the gold. Now that the tournament is over, I mean, where does this group rank amongst the best Team Canada's uh, teams that, that you've seen play that they've sent? Well, I, I said before the tournament, they had a chance to be one of the one of the most dominant teams that we've ever seen. And, we, you know, we've seen some really good ones. Um, you know, 2005, if you look back, that's Crosby, Bergeron, Perry, uh, Getzlaff, Richards, Carter, Phaneuf, Weber. I mean, that's you know, five of those five of those guys from that team played in the Olympics five years later. Uh, the 08 team with uh, Tavares as an underage, Giroux, um, that group, Stamkos. Um, 20, the 2015 team in Toronto never allowed a tying goal. Wow. They never trailed in the tournament, and no one ever tied them. And that's, that's McDavid and company. Um, I think we'll look back at this group. I mean, part of the problem is, you, you know, you, you take it sort of within the context of the NHL. And, and you, know, you look back at the names, like I just did. But, you know, the 94-95 team in Red Deer, um, Jeff O'Neill pointed out last night, none of those players went on to win a Stanley Cup. But they were dominant that year, too. Uh, they won every game in a lockout year. So I, I think, I guess we look back on it judged by, by NHL talent how good the team was, which probably isn't fair because there's a lot of guys, like if you think back at that old 5 team in Grand Forks, which is probably the greatest Canadian team. Um, six of those guys had really no measurable career in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Neither, neither goalie, uh, Jeff Glass or Rajon Boschman, played much at all in the NHL. Uh, two of the defensemen, Sean Bell and uh, Danny Savrette, didn't really play in the league. And, and uh, Jeremy Collins and Stephen Dixon. You know, so that's, that's a lockout year. That's, that's 20 of the best players in that age group in Canada. And six of them. So a quarter of the team, or better than a quarter of the team, really had no measurable NHL career. So for a lot of yeah. these guys, this will be the highlight of their hockey career. Well, you know, speaking to that, about the, the jump that is the jump from junior to the NHL, Gord, obviously it's been a tough one for Shane Wright this season. Didn't play much in uh, the opening handful of games he was uh, given with the Seattle Kraken. So he comes to the World Junior Championship. And, you know, in many of the games, maybe you could call him a bit of a a bit of a nondescript force, but certainly last night, you know, unreals a goal uh, that we'll all remember, a beautiful backhand uh, stinger that, uh, that caught the Czech goalie unaware. Uh, what did you make of Wright's performance? Obviously reassigned to play with the Kingston Frontenacs today by the Kraken, widely expected to be traded, but do you think maybe this will give him the jolt of confidence he needs to uh, continue on in his career in the fashion a lot of people expected? 
So I'm not sure where this all comes from about Shane Wright struggling. Like he had, he had 31 goals in the in the O last year, 90 points yeah. as an underage in the best, you know, probably the best junior league in the world. Um, you know, goes to the NHL at 18. Um, you know, scored one goal, but went to, went to the American League. I think four goals in five games. Um, he was very good in, in Halifax. He was he was great both ways. I, I guess if you, if he's not putting up Bedard type numbers, I guess you're making that comparison. I, I, Shane Shane Wright's a right-handed centerman. He's big. He's got good hockey sense. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with him going back to junior this year. I wish Montreal left Slavkovsky and Finland this year. And I'm, yeah. I'm, one who, I'm one who advises teams to go slow with players. You know, Simon Nemetz, the second pick of the draft, has been in the American League all year for, for New Jersey, and no one's saying he's having an off year, right? Somebody, Logan Cooley's the third pick of that draft. No one's saying, you know, that he's, a, he's having a bad year because he's, he's in college. Correct. And, and not playing in the NHL. Like I, yeah, the, the only thing, Gord, the, the only thing is this guy was the presumptive number one pick last year, and then he becomes the fourth overall pick. And I, th- right. I guess people, maybe we overhyped him early. Maybe maybe that's the case here, and maybe he's on a, a track that's correct. But, there, you know, there were expectations that maybe he hasn't met. I, I guess, but I, I, I don't know what, I mean, Owen Power is going to be a great defenseman in the NHL for 20 years, right? No doubt. He, he's terrific. He went back to college as an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, like I, I, I think that maybe, maybe it's the hype around Shane Wright, but I can tell you, seeing him on the ice and behind the scenes, he's a high-character guy. Um, he's a really reliable, good player at this age, with offensive upside. And so, you know, is he going to be a fifty-goal guy? Maybe not. But you know, Jonathan Taves has made a really good career for himself, and I'm, I'm not comparing the two. But Jonathan Taves has made a real good career for himself. Not scoring forty goals or getting ninety points. Yeah, three Stanley Cups will do it. Yeah, (laughs) right. Like I, I I don't know that. I I guess because you know part of the thing is Wright was named an exceptional player in the OHL. Right. You get you get thrown in that bucket, but you know he, I I had no issues with how he played, and I I have no issues with going back to junior. I I, you know I, but I'm the guy I I preach patience with prospects. It's you know there's a reason the NFL doesn't allow teenagers to play in it. Right? Yes. Can you imagine the NFL let teenagers play? I mean, it would be unconscionable. Well, the NHL is a high-contact sport, which, which borders on violent at times. Yep. And it's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for kids, for the most part. You know, the, the Sidney Crosbys and guys like that. But there's lots of examples of 18-year-olds who went on to become superstars not having big years. Joe Thornton wasn't exactly lights out as, as an 18-year-old. Stan, remember, remember the you know the, the talk about Stamkos early his first year. Yeah, yeah. So for sure, you know, give, give them time. I mean, for every Matthews McDavid that, that comes on as an eighteen year old, there's ten that don't. And and I think that Seattle. I mean, first of all, Seattle will now have Shane Wright as a twenty six year old, right? Because the first year of his rookie contract hasn't kicked in. Well, I'd much rather have a guy twenty six than eighteen. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts and and when you talk about. Almost the complete opposite is a guy like Thomas Millich, who there wasn't much hype through. Right. I mean, the guy went undrafted um, twice. <laughs> twice and then became a gold medalist for Team Canada and played exceptional in the semifinal and in the final. Lots of question marks were around goaltending going into Halifax and ends up finishing the tournament with a 176 goals against and a 932 save percentage. I mean, what a story that he turned out to be these past couple of weeks. Yeah. It's- and if you've got it figured out, you'll make a lot of money in the NFL because they've got no handle on it either. Like if 
like if, honestly, like how can you possibly figure out what's going on with NHL goalies uh, this year? Like, did you have Matt Murray being among the league leaders in save percentage? You know, did you? I mean, it's, it's just incredible. Or Lena Solmark but, literally being at the top of every category. Right. Like, I mean, and, and the guys that were great last year being no good this year. Like, it, you know, Shesterkin struggling. Like, I mean, Shesterkin was third in the MVP voting last year. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's such a strange position. It's confidence is such a big part of it. Who's playing in front of you is a big part of it. Like, look at the two goals that, that Millish gave up last night. One goes off the post and bounces right to a guy who taps it in the empty net. And the other is going 10 feet wide, goes off the Canadian defenseman skating it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I mean, it's, impo- I just, it's amazing to me. So it's hard enough to figure out 18-year-old skaters. Like, it's hard to project what an 18-year-old skater is going to be like when he's 23. Mm-hmm. Goalies? I mean, good luck with it. Because I, yeah. I, 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 I have no, I mean, look at all the years of, you know, Canadian goaltending at the World Junior. Guys who have won exactly Kali in 2015 was really good. Yeah, you know he's played like four NHL games, so I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, Marty Berdur and Patrick Waugh got cut from Canadian junior teams. Right. No, no doubt about it. Hey, Gord, you know, so you're going to be getting back to the NHL grind shortly. I, I'm wondering, what did you make of uh, the National Hockey League releasing its all-star teams in the midst of the cauldron of the World Junior Gold Medal game yesterday? It uh, doesn't bother me. You know what? They schedule. They try to schedule the, the Canadian NHL teams up against the gold medal game of the tournament every year. They do this stuff. It's fine. It, it won't affect. I mean, we put up a monster number for the semifinal of another monster number for last night. I mean, it's kind. Of, I find it kind of funny that they do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of joke with with the guys in the league about you know like you keep throwing these Canadian teams up against the gold medal game and it keeps getting flattened. Like, why are you not figure it out? No, oh, I agree. I, I that you was. Know, like, I, I don't think the Canadian teams are happy about being up against it. Doesn't help their television ratings at all, right? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, that was part of my goes. We do stay or go after every game, and one was don't schedule Leaf games to rival a Canadian gold medal game. Like it's just not going to do well. And I want to be able to watch both. And uh, right. last night so you had to kind of. So, so your sponsors aren't happy. Your teams aren't happy. But they, you know, I mean, we see it with the World Cup too, right? The NHL doesn't. In their view of the Olympics and the World Championship, the NHL doesn't like hockey events that they have no control over, mm-hmm. right? Especially if they're popular, because they get no money out of it, right? Fair point. Now, I would argue, I would argue that Connor Bedard is going to arrive in the NHL as a known commodity, and the World Junior Championship is a big part of that. Yes. And so, why don't you work with them instead of against them? But you know, I mean. It's kind of how they operate, right, with the Olympics and stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm mystified. You know, my friend Simon Semberg used to be with the IHF. He's now with the European Hockey Club Alliance. He makes a great point. If Lionel Messi walked down the street of any North American city, he'd be mobbed. Yeah. yeah. Because soccer makes sure that its best players play in big international events. Now, they, they keep their big guys on the Olympics. I get that. But the World Cup is a real World Cup. And, and so... The NHL, since 2014, has operated largely in darkness in Europe. Connor McDavid could walk down the streets of Stockholm, Helsinki, and probably not be recognized. Yeah. No one's seen him. No one's seen him at the Olympics. They haven't seen him at the, you know, they don't see him at the Olympics. There hasn't been a World Cup. I mean, 
the lack of exposure internationally hurts hockey's ability to grow itself. So I, I wish the NHL would work with international groups instead of against them, but that's kind of the way it's been. And, and that's, they, they want the biggest cut of the pie. Well, we'll see. Maybe, you know, at some point, I know there was some discussions yesterday. Duthie had the uh, conversation with the IIHF president, uh, Luke Tardif, and, you know, he yeah, was a little lukewarm on a February, you know, World Cup tournament. But uh, we'll see what comes of it. It's not a real World Cup. Yeah. It's not a real, it's not, like, it's not, and, and you know, I, I mean, look, there's going to be issues with Russia going forward. I mean, it's going to be years before Russia's admitted by any, international sanctioning body, right? By FIFA, the, the IHF, basketball. It, it's going to be years before those teams are admitted. And the NHL's postponing of the World Cup was seen by a lot of people as cynical as waiting for the war in Ukraine to end so they could put a Russian team in the World Cup. Right. But, but that may not be sanctioned by the IHF. Now, the IHF doesn't have anything to do with the NHL World Cup. I mean, the, the last one with those, you know, the North American team and the Team Europe, you know... They, International hockey, by definition, should involve nations. Right. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yes. As, as, a, as a baseline, I mean, I've always thought, what would have happened if Connor McDavid had scored the overtime winner to knock Canada out in the World Cup, or Austin <laughs> Matthews had scored to knock the U.S. out? Like, exactly. how are they supposed to feel about that? Yeah. I mean, it almost happened. <laughs> like, those young Could stars have. were a pesky bunch. Yeah. I mean, it almost what? happened. It was, uh, it, it was it, I mean... Everybody knows that uh, fans and players, everyone wants the best-on-best international hockey. Like you mentioned, we've been robbed of it now for almost a decade. It's been eight years since 2014 um, in Sochi. So everybody wants it, but uh, when we get it, that's we don't know. Hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. Who gets the money? That's the big issue. And strangely enough, like you look at soccer, right? I mean, their players are allowed to leave for international breaks. Their best players play in all these competitions like the Champions League and everything else. You know, now they get the money from that, but they don't get money as much money from the World Cup. But it's good for their brand. And, I, you know, I've say, I say this all the time to the NHL guys. The largest corporations in the world spend billions of dollars to be associated with the Olympics. There must be some value to it. Yeah, and as yes. you met, it's it's a micro versus macro viewpoint. Like the, I feel like maybe the NHL looks at it as, oh, it's a burden on our season for this two weeks, but it could really strengthen and grow the game long term, and that really would lie in the pockets of the NHL and its owners. It's almost like it just the big picture just isn't there for some people for whatever reason. But uh, I'll get off my soapbox on that. Uh, I appreciate uh, you, you calling in after a busy couple of weeks here, Gord, and uh, we'll chat again with you real soon. We'll see a Friday night from Philadelphia. At least Flyers. Absolutely. Thanks, Gord. <laughs> All right. There he goes. Gord Miller, uh, play-by-play voice uh, for the Leafs and uh, here at TSN and was the play-by-play voice, the man who called the golden goal last night for uh, for Team Canada. Yeah, obviously, I mean, we, we all want best-on-best best hockey. That's no secret. Everybody yes. wants it. But how they're going to get there seems to be the issue. Well, it's a huge issue for sure. It's been an issue for an awfully long time. Gord just nailed it right there in his parting words. Who gets the money has been the problem. The NHL resents it when it's the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, that gets the money, even though I think the consensus among most people I know, myself included, I'm sure you're probably in this camp, I was brother, is the best, the best possible scenarios to allow NHLers at the Olympics and, and play a best-on-best best there. Do you, do you yeah. agree? 
I mean, it's it's like I said, it's that micro-macro viewpoint where they're just focused on that two weeks. It's putting a burden on the schedule, yet not realizing what this could do to grow the game for yes. many, many years, right? And exactly. you should have a long-term plan and a long-term viewpoint and long-term goals if you're any business, realistically, like the NHL and these owners are with these clubs. Like, at the end of the day, it's a business. Mm-hmm. And for a little two-week tournament, you're potentially leaving and losing a lot of popularity growth which ultimately is money on the table like am i if i'm off base here like i'm no economics expert by any means but i feel like that's pretty you know common or not common knowledge but it feels like that's how uh what's the word i'm looking for here um Best practice. Yeah, maybe. Best practice. I'll think about. You, I'll think about the word matter. on the other I'm not, way. <laughs> I'm not sure which word you're looking for, brother, but I see where you're coming from for sure. You make a great point. And look, the the bottom line is it, it, the the fact that Russia is where Russia is right now in its uh, in its war against Ukraine is is a huge factor here because we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the original best-on-best best hockey event, right? The Summit Series, I was brother, in 1972. And I know uh, you weren't around, but I know you can appreciate the historical Absolutely. significance of it. And without Russia involved in an international hockey event, it's not going to be a best-on-best best, because they are always going to be one of the best, if not the best. So it's going to be tough to have a, a legitimate best-on-best best tournament without them around. Who knows how long it's going to be until they're going to be – uh, able to to field the team and and be a part of the international community again. Right now they're banned from international competition, which we just saw with the World Juniors. So, but I'm with Gord. Like, they got to get this figured out, and it's got to be a real World Cup, not a continental North American Young Guns World Cup. Uh, and the, and it's got to happen soon because we're just watching the 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 absolute prime of so many great players. And he mentioned a couple in McDavid and Matthews, who've never played best on best hockey. Uh, it's it's a crime against the game. Yeah, I think common knowledge maybe is the the word I was looking for there. Well, that's two words, but ago. I got you. But anyway, um, and speaking of best on best, if we want to call it that, uh, the NHL All Stars were announced yesterday during the broadcast. We'll tell you who made the team, and then uh, you and I, Dave. It's a fan vote to vote in the remaining twelve players. So maybe we'll take a peek at these teams, and we could decide on who we believe should be voted in into each and one of these uh, these teams. We'll do that on the other side. I'm Mike DeSefano with Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Matthews has done it again! Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. A couple things you dream as as a kid of, you know, playing in this league, winning that Stanley Cup, and, you know, trying to get to that All-Star game. So it's, it's a... It's a cool accomplishment. Uh, wouldn't have happened without a lot of these guys in this room, really everyone in this room. So, like I've been saying, it's not a one-man thing out there. It's all five guys constantly. You know, i got to thank my teammates for, for helping me out get that. That was Mitch Marner on making the All-Star Game. He was uh, the Maple Leafs representative at the All-Star Game, which... Slightly controversial. We'll get to that in a moment, potentially. Uh, TSN 1050 has your easiest chance to win Leafs tickets all season long. Visit at TSN 1050 on Instagram. Find our latest giveaway post. Like it and tell us who you bring to see the Leafs first Preds on January 11th. A winner will be announced Monday right here on Leafs Lunch. Jan 11, shout out. It's my brother's birthday, actually. All right. Yeah, I should remember to uh, give him a phone call that day. Al's uh, brother's brother. Al's brother's brother. That is correct. Um, so, 
Mitch Marner ends up getting the All-Star nomination for uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. All 32 teams were chosen. Uh, they gave a representative. The league went o- over, and I believe the league and the team decides together. If I if I'm not mistaken, they kind of decide who's going to go. And Mitch Marner was chosen. And there was a lot of uh, pushback, maybe, from Leafs Nation that maybe William Nylander should have been the selection there. I mean, do do you subscribe to that notion, or do you think Mitch Marner was the correct choice? Well, I mean, to me, Marner's the the better player. He's been the better player uh, for longer. I mean, I understand. You you just look at the – if you look at the stats, I mean, you look, you know, Nylander's leading the team. He's leading the team in goals with 22. He's leading the team with points with uh, tied with Matthews at 45. But you know, if, you, if you're going to say who's doing more for the team this year, Al's brother, I don't think you can you can go wrong with Mitch Marner because Marner does it in all situations uh, and has obviously had a better overall career too, which also comes into this thing. Let's not be kid, let's not kid ourselves. Well, it does only because I mean, much to what we were talking about a moment ago. You know, you follow the money and you you find a lot of answers. Mitch Marner is going to sell you more tickets than William Nylander, yes. one would assume. But that's not what the, the spirit of the All-Star game should be about. I mean, that's somewhat of a different conversation. But, you know, I, I kind of thought that Nylander maybe was more deserving for this season. So when I look at the All-Star, it's, it's every, every year, right? You just look at mm-hmm. what's happened to this point in the season. And for me, yes, Mitch Marner has been great. And because he plays a stellar two-way game, kills penalties, no, he's a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. He had that unbelievable point streak earlier this year. But William Nylander, I think, was very deserving of it. And the production that he's had, like you mentioned, leads the team in goals, leads the team in points. He's been insanely consistent this season yep. as well. I thought maybe he might get the nod just based on uh, based on those. But it goes to, to Mitch Marner. So I mean, and, and the bottom line is, you know, it's, there shouldn't be one guy from each team. The Maple no. Leafs are, are, are an elite team. They deserve more than one spot. But because you've got a participation well, game instead of an all-star game, you're, you've got participants from 32 teams, many of whom do not deserve to be there when stacked up against players <laughs> the likes of William Nylander and Mitch Marner. Well, guess what, Dave? The the fan vote is uh, allows the Leafs to have multiple representatives. There's three more selections available for the Atlantic team, two skaters and a goaltender. I would imagine that uh, one of Willie or Austin will find themselves with uh, a bounty of votes. I mean, well, if you had to choose, though, like which one would you is, send? Well, the problem is, like, I mean, you can you send a both. I guess you could. You could send both. Well, you could, but I mean, the problem is, like, you looked at the Atlantic team here, and if, uh, are you not going to send a defenseman right now? You have, I, I, that's you have the zero problem. defensemen on the Atlantic Division team right now. You got one goalie in Linus Allmark, <laughs> and you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight forwards. How does that make sense? I honestly, to me, it doesn't make sense. Like, if you're going to say, okay, there needs to be, because every, every team has at least a goalie. So clearly there was an MO to get a goaltender sent, regardless if they were the best player on their team. Somebody need to have a goaltender. Um, and I feel as though it should have been the same for a defenseman. Should have at least had one of the teams be forced to send a D man. Uh, and for me, probably, like, if we're looking at the Atlantic division, Maybe Dylan Larkin doesn't get yeah. the nod, and, and Mo Sider is a guy who gets to represent sure. Detroit, and there you or, have your defenseman. But, or maybe it's, maybe it's Rasmus Dahlin instead of Tage Thompson. That would be tough. Been incredible. <laughs> that, that one's incredible. That I, I understand it because Dahlin's been outstanding, but He's been great. leaving Tage Thompson out of the All-Star game, that would definitely raise a lot of alarm oh, bells. Sure. But, yeah, um, sure. Uh, just, like, just like leaving out Kucherov in favor of Sergachev would be wrong. But, yeah. 
that's the problem with this process is that you know you got a lot of deserving guys who will not be there because of it and you got some probably undeserving guys not forget to take out the probably you got some undeserving guys who will be there on the account of the fact that every team needs one guy yeah oh absolutely there's there's always a couple of guys we always everybody in this city will remember leo komarov becoming an all-star based on the fact that every team needs to have uh a representative go there. Um, he thought, and I remember. I remember that day that was announced when the me- <laughs> I was among the media that we were on the road. I forget where, and we went to speak to young Leo Komarov about his All Star selection, and he he actually thought we were pranking him. He did not believe really? it. He had, to, he had to check his phone and talk to a bunch of guys in the locker room to make sure <laughs> that this was not some sort of a cruel joke that was being played on him, that he was suddenly an NHL All-Star before he would actually address it with the media, which was actually pretty smart because it did, did have the ring of a cruel joke. Well, I mean, you never think of NHL all Like, when you think of Leo Komarov, you don't think NHL All-Star. So no. Great guy, it, it would make team sense. guy, really good player. Not necessarily the first guy that pops to mind when you think of All-Star. No, but does Travis Konechny pop into your mind when you think about NHL All-Star? Does does he, Dave? Because he was not chosen to be the NHL All-Star. And, um, you know, some considered it to be a little bit of a snub. Kevin Hayes gets the nod from the Philadelphia Flyers, notably uh, a healthy, scratched individual at one point this yes. season. And it's funny because uh, Sam Karshidi, who was on this program not too long ago, actually, uh, he asked John Tortorella his thoughts on connecting getting snubbed. And, well, Torts gave a very Tortsian answer. John, TK has been arguably your most consistent player all year long. Are you disappointed that he didn't uh, make the All-Star team tonight? They nailed the oh, team. I don't even worry about that. The way they all, the whole game, the whole weekend, it, it, I don't even watch it. I, I think it's it's turned into a, well, I'll just leave it at that. I really don't care. Do you think that he's deserving? Uh, I really don't care. Talk about All-Star stuff, okay? <laughs> Does not care. <laughs> Just couldn't give a bleep, he says. I'm sure the league office appreciates that, Mr. Oh, Tortorella. I'm sure they do. Yes, indeed. But you know what? Look, I mean, you know, look, I, I actually care about the All-Star game. I was brother. I, I enjoy the festivities. I enjoy the skills stuff. I always watch that stuff. And, you know, when I was a kid, Have I Have you got to cover cover the game? I've been to a, a, few yeah, times? a handful of times over the years, yeah. I've heard the sure. events. Around, like, if you're in the city... It's a lot better than being a, an observer on television because the yeah. events that go with it make it a, a lot of fun for those who are participating in it. Without a doubt. I've covered the NHL All-Star Game, the, the NBA All-Star Game a handful of times both, and, and they are a lot of fun. They're, they're, they're a great occasion, and it's a great celebration of the game. Um, I think, look, the NHL, I think John Tortorella probably speaks for quite a few people, even though he doesn't speak for me when he says he doesn't care, because I do think... He speaks for me, I'll be honest. (laughs) So you're in that camp, and and I think, look, it's got, you gotta just, you gotta stick to making it a premium event with premium players. That's it. And not a participation trophy type of thing, which is what it's become here when you've got to include one player from all 32 teams. That's that's exactly it for me. Like if if you're not an all-star, you should not be at the all-star game. Like at one point in time, the NHL, if you were an all-star, it was looked upon as as a great feat. Like this guy yes. was a five-time, six-time NHL all-star. It's right. it, it's talked about in Hall of Fame speeches and Hall of Fame debates. The guy right. was a seven-time all-star. Now it, it it it's lost its luster, unfortunately, right. because 
it, to me, it just doesn't mean a whole lot anymore because you could be on a crappy team and be a three-time All-Star in your career because you're on a bad team. Like, I'm sorry, no disrespect to Brock Nelson, but I don't look at him as an All-Star in the NHL. No, like, that and, is somebody, no, nobody does. And nobody that's does. where, also, there's not a defenseman also on the Metro. How does yes. Noah Dobson not get the nod there over a guy like Brock Nelson and or, or even Ilya Sorokin? Give him the, the opportunity there. Um, Adam Fox I, is still pretty good. Adam Fox, you know? right? Like, Shesterkin isn't having the season he had a year ago. Like, maybe he should have been the chosen one for uh, for the Rangers as, as opposed to Shesterkin. Right. But. You, almost, you almost feel like, and, and Kevin Hayes, with all due respect to Kevin Hayes, very good player, but you almost feel like, Somebody at the league office was uh, was trolling John Tortorella <laughs> by saying, "Yeah, because by every oh, by every statistical measure, Travis Connecting is having a much better year than yeah. Kevin Hayes." Uh, and to your point, Kevin Hayes has been a healthy scratch uh, a couple of times under John Tortorella. So the idea that this guy is suddenly NHL All Star Kevin Hayes, it it you know like it's not a it's not a slight on Kevin Hayes to say it diminishes the tag of All Star. I will uh, I will say that uh, I was reminded yesterday that the last time a guy was healthy scratched and became an all-star did go on to win the all-star MVP. That was John Scott right. back in the day. Which was a troll job of its own. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but trolling the but, NHL but by, that's what by the, inviting him to the game. That's what the, the NHL folks. opens themselves up to when they get the fan vote involved. Like, why don't, I mean, if you're a fan of, I guess, the Maple Leafs, like, Get Pierre Engvall to, to, to the, to the yeah. All-Star game. Like, just to show the NHL kind of how dumb this format is. I mean, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Look I, don't, look, I don't mind a fan vote. I really don't. I think if the fans take it seriously and the fans want to vote their favorite players, and that's great. It does become a problem when, it be, you know, when the fans kind of take that counter, you know, troll job type of view and say, look, we're going to get a guy who doesn't deserve to be there in there just to show we can. Uh, it's really funny and everything, but it, it kind of goes against what you're trying to exactly. you're trying to accomplish here. But but what are they? Tr- the question is, what is the NHL trying to accomplish here by just throwing 32 guys out there, many of whom don't really have star quality? Uh, I don't get it, but uh, I'm sure the league has its reasons, and and they feel like it's the way to go. Yeah, well, we'll see who which 12 skaters get. Uh, Get the official nod from fan voting. You can go and you can make those votes. If you're a Leafs fan, obviously you want to see Nylander and probably Austin Matthews out there as well. So you can go and get that done at uh, NHL.com slash fan vote. All right, Dave, on the other side, we got a a very brief Leafies that we got to get to. We got to hand out some awards for the week. Wasn't a terrific one for Toronto, so I don't think it'll be, you know, too too special of an award ceremony uh, in a couple of minutes here. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Festchuk. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Honor. Prestige. A celebration of... The waitress tripped on the court. Presenting the Leafies. A celebration of Leafness. What am I going to do with the award? Nothing. That's the least of my concerns right now. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. 
Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards. Available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion for your chance to win a $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card. Text the keyword lunch and your name to 105050. Standard text message rates apply. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Festchuk here with you. And we're doing a little bit of an audible. We're still going to do the Leafies, but the different type of Maple Leaf for this one. We're handing out awards, not to the Maple Leafs, because honestly, not a whole lot of them deserve some awards, but there's a lot of kids who are out in Halifax the last couple of weeks that do. So it's a World Juniors edition of the Leafies. Let's start with giving out the Dougie for the best player at the tournament. I don't think it's any surprise, Dave, yes. that uh, this one is 17-year-old tournament MVP, Connor Bedard. No, this is a unanimous selection. If you watch the tournament, you watch Connor Bedard and you were wowed by Connor Bedard. This was a this was one of the rare tournaments I can think of where a guy just totally stole the show, AB. Like this was not it was a team, it was a team effort. They won as a team, but Connor Bra- uh, Connor Bedard took the stage as an individual in a way that I don't know if anybody expected. Uh, but it certainly has it's changed the landscape of uh, how we feel about him. And as, as Chris Johnson pointed out earlier in the show, it's changed the way some NHL teams are going to approach the coming months as they uh, try to maximize their lottery odds to get that number one pick. <laughs> yeah, and, and I anticipate Connor Bedard to, to take home a lot of Leafy's awards here because he's also getting the Sun Dean for me for player who made a game changing dynamic play. I mean, that OT winner he made against Slovakia in the quarterfinals, dancing through three different guys, uh, backhand, forehand, just completely went full McDavid mode. In that, in on that goal to send them into the semifinals. I mean, that might be one of the prettiest goals I've seen in World Junior history. Uh, so that that would get the Sundin for me. Yeah, and I'm going to give my honorable mention Sundin because you're right. There's no, there's nothing that compares to Connor Bedard's winner against Slovakia. That's one of the great goals we'll ever see in this tournament. And it was, and it needed the gold medal to be remembered, right? If he would have just done that and then Canada flamed out uh, in the semis. Uh, or in the final, you know, they probably wouldn't be remembered as fondly. But because because it, it became what it became, it became what it became because because of the gold medal. I'm going to give a, a honorable mention to that Shane Wright goal last night, man. Yeah. That backhander was as beautiful a goal as you'll see at this level. Absolutely. Uh, really quickly, let's 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 do the vibe for underrated player. I'm giving it to Josh Waugh as as okay. one of my guys. Um, yeah. Do we want to go to the O Dog? Because the O Dog's the fun one. This is okay. this do is the award that we give away. Actually, first, your underrated player. My Sorry, underrated. Dave. I'm going to give it to uh, Ethan Del Mastro. Bit ah, of a soft nice. spot GTHL kid. I thought he logged uh, yeah. a lot of great minutes as a very good stay home defenseman. So the O Dog goes to best quote of the tournament. And uh, last night, Shane Wright put the brakes on dropping an f bomb on live television. It gave me a kick, so I want to listen to it again. Unbelievable! It was awesome. it was great. Awesome. It was uh, it was funny. That was a great quote. And an honorable mention for the O Dog has got to be Dylan Gunther, who after the opening uh, loss to Czechs, the Czechs had that great quote that we're not going to Michigan oh, our yeah. way to the final, which was a good tone setter that uh, changed the course of the tournament. Absolutely. All right, that does it for us today. Got a double header this weekend: Detroit and then uh, Philly on Sunday. Enjoy the games, folks. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on TSN1050.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mike DiStefano for Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star. You've been listening to Leafs Lunch Gameplay with Matt Coss next.